When Albert Einstein was 26, he had a very fruitful year. It was 1905. He was actually working uh, in the office of a patent clerk. He didn't even have access to a full set of scientific reference materials. And yet in that one year, he published four scientific papers that changed the world. These four scientific papers probably contain everything sciency that you've ever heard from Albert Einstein. And it, it all came out in this one year, even though for the rest of his life, he'd continue to do amazing things. He wrote like over 300 more papers. He published on the photoelectric effect, which laid the groundwork for quantum theory. He published on Brownian motion, which gave empirical evidence that atoms existed. We did not have that evidence at that point. It was just a useful theory to think of atoms. He demonstrated they existed. He wrote a paper on the theory of special relativity, which changed the way that we think about space and time. Whereas previously we thought time just marches forward, he showed that time moves faster or slower depending on what frame of reference you're in. And he made it possible for us to have wonderful movies like Interstellar. Um, he also wrote a paper on the mass energy equivalence, which we all know as E equals MC squared, which showed that matter and energy in very small amounts could actually go back and forth between each other. And it just, it just totally upturned the law of conservation of matter, basically. And he changed the world. And I just love this story of fruitfulness, partly because I'm a huge nerd, but also because I think we are just made as human beings to love stories of fruitfulness, stories of genius, where, where people do things that just, it's, it's really beyond what we're able to do. People like Mozart, who could you know, play the harpsichord and the violin at the age of four, and he like, wrote a symphony at the age of eight. People like Leonardo da Vinci, who's one of the world's greatest painters, but he could also sculpt masterfully. He was an architect, he was a designer. He made inventions that amazed people for hundreds of years after he died, when technology had like, marched way past that of his time. So fruitful. Marie Curie, she was a scientific researcher who won the Nobel Prize in two different fields of science. She discovered radioactivity. She discovered multiple elements on the periodic table. Just such a fruitful life. Nicolas Cage makes hundreds of movies <laughs> every year, it seems. And how does he do it? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And us, we desire to live godly lives, don't we? That's a desire that God has placed in our hearts, deeply in our hearts. And so we plan for godly lives. We go to school. We start families. We volunteer. We get jobs and places where we're going to be able to use our spiritual gifts because we expect that God is going to make our work and our lives fruitful. But when it comes to fruitfulness, Jesus has one command. Abide in me. And then he offers one caution right after that. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So there are some truly wonderful, truly beautiful hopes for fruitfulness in this congregation. Whether that's the hope to bring the kingdom of God into uptown around us and be a community that transforms. Maybe it's a hope to bring a revival of word and sacrament back into the church. But Jesus gives us this command, abide in me in this warning. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. He gives us this instruction because apart from him, our best hopes, the wonderful things that we want to do in Uptown, the fruitfulness that we want to have, he says, apart from him, you can't do those. All of those things hang in the balance. You can't do it apart from abiding in him. So today I want to look at what he teaches so we don't miss out on that. I want to look at what he teaches so that we can actually really engage in this fruitfulness he lays out for us. And as we look at the scripture passage that we read, the main message that I want you to hear me saying is this. Jesus calls us to share in his divine life, that's the abiding part, and then to share in his fruitfulness. Jesus calls us to share in his divine life and then to share in his fruitfulness. I want to start by rereading verses 4 through 11 of our gospel passage. You guys keep a finger there. We're going to go back to the scriptures today. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus speaks to his disciples in verse four and he says, abide in me and I in you. Now, abiding is a kind of archaic English word, but it's about as good as any other word here. The Greek that it translates means something like to dwell in, to remain in. It has connotations of persistence and of staying put. And in this particular instance, it's used to reference the way that a vine uh, that a branch connects into a vine and that vine actually is like the source of life for any branch that connects into it, any branch that abides in it. And as the vine gives its life into the branch, you could also say that the vine itself abides in the branch. And Jesus says to his disciples, to us, abide in me and I in you. He says, receive my life flowing into you and let my life dwell in you and make you alive. I want us to look today at what it means. Like, what does that mean? It's kind of abstract. What does it mean to share in the divine life of Jesus? And uh, to do that, we actually, we can't disconnect this teaching about the vine from Jesus's teaching about giving the Holy Spirit. Our passage today from the gospel is actually bookended just before and just below by teachings on the Holy Spirit. And that should clue us in to something. It should clue us in that the Holy Spirit is vital to this work of abiding in the vine. Remember what we confess in the Nicene Creed about the Holy Spirit? We say, we believe in the Lord. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. 
See, a branch abides in a vine by its physical connection. But we abide in the Holy Spirit. We abide in Jesus by the Holy Spirit. He's the one who makes our connection. When we abide in the vine by the Holy Spirit, we receive the life of Jesus, the resurrection life of Jesus, dwelling in us, persisting in us, slowly working its way into us, quickening our mortal bodies, is the way that the Apostle Paul puts it. And the life of Jesus becomes the power that enables everything we do, from small to great. So we suddenly have the power to do what God asks us. That's a power we don't have apart from abiding. We suddenly have the power to say yes to God when God calls us to live fruitful lives. That's a power we don't have apart from abiding. To say yes when he says, bring the kingdom of God into your neighborhood. To say yes to God when God starts to work in your own heart. We actually have that power now. Maybe there's a brokenness in your life and it seems unfixable. Maybe that's a sin that you struggle with. And you have really felt God calling you into repentance and deliverance. Or maybe the thing that feels unfixable is actually something that you need healing for. And that could, that could really be physical healing. But that could also be spiritual or emotional, relational healing. It could be healing related to something in your identity. And it feels really unfixable, but, but you felt that God is calling you to actually walk in healing. And maybe you feel in this, in this moment, you feel like the man who's paralyzed, who was brought to Jesus lying on a mat, who's unable to walk, and like there's no cure for what's going on with you. And Jesus looks at you, like you looked at that man and he says, rise, take up your mat, and walk in healing. And apart from Jesus, apart from the divine life dwelling in you and making you alive, you couldn't do it. We know that really well. We know we can't do it. We can't walk in healing like But if Jesus calls you to do it, if you have the divine life dwelling in you, you can walk in healing. If that is the call that Jesus gives to you, you can actually say yes. The divine life of Jesus dwelling in us empowers us to say yes to things that are impossible apart from abiding in Jesus. And this is so key. I don't want us to miss it because it's not just the big fruitfulness that's at stake here. We want to bring the kingdom of God to uptown, and that is wonderful, but we can't even bring the kingdom of God into our thought lives without abiding. We can't even bring the kingdom of God into our broken, wounded relationships with each other without abiding. That's what he's saying in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And one thing that Jesus is actually calling us explicitly to do in this passage, something that we can say yes to him. He's calling us to participate in the work of abiding. To work alongside the Holy Spirit who is at work in us. How do we know this? Jesus commands us in this passage. He commands us 
abide in me. And we can obey this command because of the Holy Spirit in us. And the way we obey this command, the way we abide in him, is that we spend time in places where Jesus has promised to meet us. And we spend time doing things that Jesus has promised to join us as we do those things. And that's really a long list of places and things that Jesus is going to join us and meet us and help us abide in him. But there's actually a few things that should go at the top of your list. These are, these are ways to abide in Jesus that Jesus has really given to the church as ways that he is blessed and that he has like set out for you to participate in his divine life. And I'm just going to list them right now and then I'll come back to them at the end at the end of the sermon, but this is a list. These are the ways to obey. These are the practical ways to, to work alongside the Spirit. Number one, there's four things in this list, by the way. Number one, baptism. If you haven't already been baptized, but you believe in the gospel, this is your next step. Talk to a leader. That's, that's it. This is your next step. Number two, by hearing the word preached and by celebrating the Lord's Supper every week in a church that you're committed to. That's two. Number three, daily prayer in the spirit and daily reading of the word of God. Number four, acts of service done as unto the Lord, especially to your Christian brothers and sisters and especially to the poor. Those are just practical ways. We respond to this command and say yes, because we've been empowered to. So I'll come back to those. Jesus calls us to share in his divine life. And then, this is the next part, to share in his fruitfulness. So we've actually talked a little bit about what fruitfulness looks like for those who are abiding. Right? It looks like being empowered by the Holy Spirit to say yes to whatever God's calling you to do. So instead, I actually want to ask us a question. What's going on when we feel like we're abiding in Christ and we're just not seeing any fruitfulness? I mean, God's placed the desire to abide in him in our hearts, so we know it's like a good thing. And we feel like we're abiding, so we just thought that there would be more fruit than what we're seeing around us. What's going on? And I actually think that our scripture passage answers this question. I'm going to give us three things that I think are going on when we don't see the fruitfulness that we thought we would see. The first reason we might not be seeing fruitfulness is that it's not fruit season yet. The spirit is producing fruit in your life, but it's small because this is not the season for a high yield of fruitfulness. This is a season for abiding. Look at verses one and two of our passage. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that I may bear more fruit. Okay, God is the vine. God the Father is the vine dresser. He's the vine farmer. And when I say farmer, I want you to think of that hipster, organic farmer who's like covered head to toe in tattoos. And he's farmed a table. He's eco-friendly. But more importantly, he like only grows fruit in the proper season. You know what I'm saying? Like, like because he knows that fruit tastes so much better when it's grown in the pro proper season, when it's picked at the right time. Okay? 
I, uh, I lived in Africa for a couple of years, and when I lived in Africa, I bought all my fruit and vegetables off the back of a donkey cart that came through my village. And it was the best fruit that I'd ever tasted in my entire life because I'm pretty sure that it went like right off a tree into a box and onto a donkey. It wasn't picked like before it was ripe and then allowed to ripen in the back of a dark truck on the way to a grocery store. It was so good. God the Father, the vine dresser, knows when fruit is in season. And then just take a glance again at verse 2. It says he prunes the branches. You might be in a season of pruning. Remain faithful. Abide. Dwell in Jesus. Continue to receive his life. And he promises, in verse 11, he promises, your joy will be full. That's one reason we might not be seeing fruitfulness. It's just not fruit season yet. Okay? The second reason we might not be seeing fruitfulness is that the Holy Spirit actually is producing fruit in our lives, but it's not the fruit that we wanted. And so we kind of overlook it and we kind of discount it. And I don't have a lot of time to spend on this point. This is the point that kind of got a little hacked in my, uh, my sermon whittling down. But I would just have you look at the passage and see how Jesus, one of the main pieces of fruitfulness in this passage is that Jesus says, I have loved you. And then he commands us to go and love others. Fruitfulness looks like us being transformed the image of Christ. Peter calls it partaking in the divine nature. That's a huge piece of fruitfulness. You may not be leading crusades, planning a church, doing the thing that you wanted to do with fruitfulness. Don't overlook the fruitfulness that God is actually putting in your life, especially if it's this important work of fruitfulness. That's the second reason. You just might not be getting the fruit you wanted. But the third reason that we may be feeling like, man, we're abiding, but, but I'm not seeing fruitfulness in my life is that we're not really abiding. That is, the Spirit may be at work in our lives, but we're not actually saying yes to God. We may be getting this power, but we're not saying yes. And for some of us, the reason for that is that we just got burned out by trying to abide in Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit, without the divine life of Christ, pushing us forward. And what that means is that we, we try to do all the works of abiding in Christ. We prayed every day and we read our Bible and we went to church every week, whether we wanted to or not. And we always were trying to muster our own strength up to do this. And it was just terrible. And so we kind of pulled back and we kind of, we kind of put that away. But the thing is, we are made to abide in something. And so what we do then is we turn to other things. Sometimes it's entertainment. It's like Netflix or it's our Instagram account. Or sometimes it's, sometimes it's you know, uh, our ministry. It's even a really good thing. It's our work. It's our family. It's our friends. Sometimes we abide in becoming an intellectual. And all of these things in and of themselves are really good things. But if you try to make them your source of life, they will fail you. Because these things will never empower you to say yes to God when he calls you into fruitfulness. They can't do it. Only abiding in the vine can do that. For some of us, God is calling us, Jesus is calling you to reorient yourself to the vine. Jesus is calling you to open yourself up to a work of the Holy Spirit that actually empowers you to abide. 
Not in your own strength, but in his. That's why some of us might not be abiding. Others of us might not be abiding because we've actually decided that we would love to kind of skip some of the abiding part and just jump straight to the fruitfulness. We're all about the fruit because we've tasted the fruitfulness of God coming from other people. There's so much fruitfulness in the Christian world and the lives of those around us. We've tasted it and it is really good because godly fruitfulness actually is really delicious. It's wonderful to dwell in it. And there's so much of it like in the church fathers that we can read and the other saints and in the reformers and in like everything C.S. Lewis ever wrote and in contemporary authors and thinkers and scholars and in the godly men and women that are in this church. We just experience their fruitfulness and it fills us up. But if we're not careful, we kind of become enamored with fruit and we sort of become fruit vendors where we kind of know where to get the best fruit. We trade in fruit. We retweet the fruit. We share the fruit on Facebook. We kind of love it when people are like, and you have the best fruit. And I'm like, I know, brother. I know. My fruit's really good. But when we do that, we start to substitute that for real fruitfulness. Real fruitfulness that only comes by the, the usually slow, usually long process of abiding in the vine. Godly fruit is so good. So good. But are we settling for being fruit vendors? So brothers and sisters... Fruitfulness is good, but abiding always comes first. Jesus calls us to share his divine life and then to share his fruitfulness. And I mentioned already, there's a number of ways to respond to this call. I'm just going to list them again. These are the practical ways that you can say yes to Jesus. If you desire to abide in Jesus, good news. The Holy Spirit's already at work in your heart. So you have the power to say yes to these things. I'm going to list them again. These are from scripture. These are things Jesus has given us and blessed us with so that we can partake in his divine life. These are steps on how to abide. Four things. Number one, baptism. If you believe the gospel and you haven't been baptized, then I want you to know that there is a real gift available to you in baptism to unite you with Jesus Christ in his body, the church. There's a real gift available to you in baptism. If you haven't done that, that's step number one for you. Talk to a leader in this church. Number two, weekly hearing the word preached and receiving the Lord's Supper in a church that you're committed to. Jesus is revealed in the preaching of the word. And in the Lord's Supper, there is a real gift available to you to unite you with Christ so that you can experience his life daily. That is one of the reasons that Jesus gave it to us was to empower us to abide in the vine in our daily walk with Christ. Number three, daily reading of the word and daily prayer. And for some of you, if this in the past has become a burdensome thing that was legalistic, then let me give you a little, a little something you can do. Whenever you come up to receive the Lord's Supper today and every other week, ask God to give you a gift as you receive the Lord's Supper of empowerment to be obedient, to pray and read your Bible every day. 
because the Lord's Supper can actually, like God actually comes and dwells with us here. This is abiding and it empowers us to abide in our daily walk. And Jesus wants you to abide with him in prayer daily and in the word daily. And then finally, by acts of service as done unto the Lord, especially to your brothers and sisters in Christ, and especially to the poor. Jesus said, and as much as you've done unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. When we serve the least of these, we actually meet Jesus. Jesus leads us into faithfulness, into fruitfulness, sorry. He leads us into fruitfulness and here is how. Jesus calls us to share in his divine life and then to share in his fruitfulness by the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father. 